Church, we serve a good God, don't we? Amen. I love singing that song. Um, I mean, we're calling on the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, men and women throughout history that have been faithful, holy, called by God and responded uh, to get in harm's way, to live dangerously for God. Just think of Moses, 80 years old, on the backside of a desert, sees a burning bush, goes over to see what's going on, and this is not necessarily unusual to see a burning bush. And he, God speaks to him through that and calls him to go back to Egypt to cry out against Pharaoh, the known power of the time. And he, he could have had his life ended on day one, but he was willing to live dangerously for God. Isn't that awesome? Let my people go. I love this too. This is what God said. Uh, and, and this is what we believe as God's people. Amen. So thinking about Moses, I'm going to ask you, have you ever done anything dangerous? Anything risky? Something new? You know, I had this picture up here. I was thinking, you know, what is a good image as we're thinking about living dangerously for God? And every year in Yellowstone, people want to live dangerously uh, with stupidity, I suppose. I want to get a selfie with a 2,000-pound buffalo in heat. And if you've ever been there, they're making a noise that doesn't sound natural. <laughs> but every year, somebody gets thrown by a buffalo. They're living dangerously in Yellowstone. I think a few years ago, I saw a family abandon their kid to get away. And their kid was like, <laughs> Thankfully, the little kid wasn't hurt. Uh, but people will do some very dangerous things. Uh, several years ago, I came across this extreme jump video on YouTube. The top ten extreme jumps. And I'm watching this video, and it's making my like stomach sink. You know, like when you go to the fair, and people are doing these wild rides. They're like, woo! And I'm like, no way! Um, but in 2007, in this video they have it, Travis Pastrana jumped out of an airplane without a parachute. It was a stunt. I mean, he's doing stunts. He works for Red Bull. He does all kinds of crazy stunts, flip, jumping up buildings, flipping, all these kinds of things. But they had this planned stunt. And I watched this video. He's laying in a plane, jumps. Actually, he slams a Red Bull to promote Red Bull. Then he jumps out of the plane. He's like, woo! And I was like, I would not even jump out with a parachute. And they orchestrated these things. And the guys came in. They put a parachute on him. He lands safely. He broke a bunch of laws, got in a lot of trouble. But I, I was just, I watched this, and I think about what people are willing to do. That that's wild and crazy. I would never do anything like that. It's fascinating to me that people would do stuff like that. Uh, people have built careers off of this, YouTube channels, TikTok videos with followers, doing crazy things, making all kinds of money, uh, doing dangerous stunts, and, and made famous just for the thrill of doing something like that. Now, when we were young, we used to like set up ramps on center blocks and an you know, old piece of wood, and we would try to jump them and fall over. You know, we used to skateboard, you know, and I, people would be like, did you ever ollie? Oh, Derek, did you skate, man? You ever had those people? I was like, I wasn't in the X Games. Did you ever do an ollie? You know, I was a past, youth pastor for a while. You ever do an ollie? I said, no, I did a folly, you know. <laughs> I, I fell down. A lot. I got bruises and scratches and scars all over my body. But here's the thing, church. On one end... 
God has designed us with an adventurous spirit. Uh, this curiosity. We're people willing to try or, or take on new challenges and even dangerous situations to test the limits of man. Uh, but on the other end, we misspend this adventurous spirit and much of our life on the wrong things in the wrong direction. As some spend years and invest in sports, and sports are fine. Uh, I wish people would read the statistics of how many people are actually going to go pro from this, and people invest time and money in these things. Extreme sports, I love watching extreme sports. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, but people do that. They spend so much time. X Games, all these kinds of things. New careers, recreation, whatever it may be, uh, people invest a lot of time and money in those things. Yet as Christians, as people that follow God, that believe in this awesome God, we have to harness that spirit for the right thing again. This adventurous, risk-taking spirit, willing to do dangerous things, to bring that back in, to harness it for God's kingdom. And for others, I just really today would love to see people rekindle that passion and that adventurous spirit for God and for His kingdom. I read a lot of books on missionaries. I love that. And I'm just reading what they were willing to do 200 years ago to win people to Jesus. Uh, to go to new places, to do radical things, risky things, dangerous things. I read about a missionary who went to an island of cannibals. And he got, and after he was done, all the cannibals had turned to Jesus Christ. That people were willing to risk their lives in that kind of a way. Now here it is. We're going to get into God's Word. And I will tell you today, it is God's dangerous book. This is not some silly book. There are some dangerous things that take place in here for the people that say yes to God. I want you to go to your enemy's country and tell them about Jesus. I want you to go into another country and march with your people around a fortress and trust in me and see what's going to happen. Uh, this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to this dangerous life as we follow him to be risk takers for the kingdom. So we're going to get into God's holy word today. Before we do, we are going to recite something together. So let's say this together for those who know it. All scripture is breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. Amen. That's God's Word. Amen. We're going to get it in Mark chapter 10 today, just a few verses. Uh, Mary has read the greater portion of this. I recommend for those who are readers, study of God's, studiers or students of God's Word to go back because this passage goes on for a while. But here it is, verse 21. And Jesus said, looking at him, uh, I, I love this here, Jesus looking at him, it says he loved him. I love that. If you're looking at the Scriptures today, Somebody has come to Jesus. He bows before Jesus, asking how he can inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And this is the main thing today, church. 
and come and follow me. It says here in the text, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray together today. God in heaven, we love you and we bless you. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and just worship you. Lord, that we've come from all over Casper here for this designated time. And Lord, we thank you that this is still a testimony in a world that is moving away from you. That people still say yes to you. They're saved. They go to a place to gather with other people to worship the one true God. We pray that this continues to be a testimony in our community. And we pray as your words go out today that lives are transformed. Lord, that we are always convicted and sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, we are calling on the Holy Spirit today to come to fill our hearts and our lives and our mind, Lord, that we may be made fresh and renewed in the Spirit today, that we may be the disciples you've called us to be. We pray that you bless your words as they go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, in our text today, Jesus is challenging, or rather, he's actually commanding a rich young ruler to sell his stuff and give it to the poor and follow him. Now, I don't have this here. I'm thinking about this. If Jesus said to you clearly today to give up everything you have established and follow him, would you be willing to do it? That's pretty risky. God doesn't call all people to do that. He doesn't call everybody to give up everything. He tells you to give up your life, but some people are going to maintain a career. That's part of their ministry. But some people, Jesus is actually calling you to give up some things. It might not be all your possessions. It may be some of your possessions. Um, but would you be willing to do that? He says, give up your stuff and follow me. So here it is. We're talking about living dangerously for God. What does that have to do with a rich young ruler? How is that dangerous at all? Well, this is the thing. In our culture, we're in the 2020s in North American Christianity. It has everything to do with living dangerously for Jesus. Material, materialism and uh, just selfishness are the two primary gods of our culture. I need things and I want to satisfy myself. That's what we see from day to day in our culture. Um, but before we can live dangerously for God, we have to cut away the things that are dangerous to our soul. Uh, how can I really follow Jesus in the way that He is calling me if I still am connected to these things that are endangering my soul here in the world. Jesus said this, I don't know if we have it on the screen, in Mark 8.36, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What profit is it to build up this career, all this money, all these things, your garage is full, you buy another building to put all this stuff in it, but you give up your soul. And so these things have entangled our lives, and this is important for us. Possessions possess us most of the time. And for us to, to live dangerously for Jesus, we have to cut away the things that are endangering our soul. Here it is, in our culture, we have a false sense of security. Our things give us security. I, I, we have a false sense of security in our comforts. Today, you will leave here, you may have plans to go home and eat lunch or go out, there is some security in these normal patterns of life. 
Somebody was talking to me this morning, and this is something that I feel like God was giving me in this sermon. And, and people visit our church from time to time, and I was sharing with somebody this morning. This, what people, when they're hopping around looking for a church, there's people looking for a biblical, godly church where God is moving. Most of the people, they have left the church because they're mad about something, and they're looking for another church that reminds them of the old church that they left. They need some sort of comfort, some sort of same, some sort of security. Most churches are not willing to change and reach the world that Christ has called us to reach because it makes us uncomfortable. And that's later in the message, but I just, you know, really, I can tell when somebody visits this church what they really want. I can, I can tell within the first few minutes in a conversation what they really want. And most people want the same old, same old. And Jesus is not calling us the same old, same old stuff, the same old patterns. Of course, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the church is the church, and we are on His truth. But He's calling us into dangerous territory to do new things. This is the God we serve. Many in our culture, even in our church, have a spirit of fear. I can't even meet new people. We were struggling in, uh, when we had moved to Arkansas, our first big move away from North Carolina. And we were in our late 30s. And I realized I had been in a church for years and in a community of doing church where, you know, I had a lot of friends. People I grew up with went, went to my church. People we'd won to Jesus. We were doing ministry with them for years. And all of a sudden, I'm, on, I'm in a new setting and somebody shared with me one of the struggles they were having at their church as well is that most people in their 30s and 40s already have their established friend groups. And it's hard to let people in, and it's hard to reach out and connect with new groups. It's stressful. How do I, you know, there's some insecurity in there. There's some fear that I cannot connect with other people. Uh, it's, it's new. It's strange. But here it is. We have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of worry and stress and anxiety um, as well as everything else that's keeping us from following Jesus. And part of that is because we've not fully embraced who God is and what he has called us to. And I want to deal with some of that today. And here it is. I mean, in this text, Jesus is God. Most people you may debate with about who Jesus is and what he does You'll find out at the end of the day when they say, when we think God is this way or that way or Jesus is this way or accepts these things, you should just go ahead and dig right in. Do you believe that Jesus is God? That's the game changer. If they don't even believe Jesus is God, why are we even having a conversation about what is right and wrong? But you need to go in. If you don't believe Jesus is God, you're not a Christian. And here it is. So, so Jesus has some things to reveal to us today in his scripture. So we've dealt with the calling of God, and God is calling people to follow Him, to serve Him. We've talked about that special anointing of God upon our lives, and that you can lose that anointing. We don't want to lose the anointing, church. I don't want our church to lose the Holy Spirit, to lose the anointing of God. And we also preached about how the love of Christ controls us. It motivates us. It pushes us forward to do what God has called us to do. And today we're going to deal with radical, fearless obedience. That how we are to live as we follow Jesus. The Christians in our culture have become fearful. We can't even tell people about Jesus. 
We're afraid. Be honest. When's the last time? You don't have to raise your hand. When is the last time you talked to someone that was not a Christian about Jesus? It is rare because it makes we're not used to living fearless. The early church, they just exploded in life and did what God called them to do throughout history. People were saying yes to Jesus, sharing the gospel on a regular basis. But I'm not going to encourage you to live as we're living dangerously. I'm not going to encourage you to jump out of a plane. I'm not going to encourage you to do crazy, stupid things. I watched a video recently of this humongous dude, probably weighed 500 pounds, was was holding onto a kite and jumped and thought it was going to catch the air and he landed on cactuses. It was part of a stunt. I was like, Jesus is not calling us to do stupid stuff. He's just calling us to radically abandon what we're used to and follow Him into the unknown. For us to live dangerously for God, first we have to listen to Jesus. This changes everything. Are you going to listen to what Jesus tells you to do? And today, Jesus is going to tell you what to do. And you know what would be good if we decided right now, whatever Jesus tells me to do, that I'm going to do it. In every sermon I've ever heard preached, it could be the worst thing that I ever thought, the, the, the loudest person, monotone, one of these charismatic guys, somebody, that's not even, uh, somebody new to speaking, somebody new to preaching. Every message I've ever heard, God has spoken to me clearly. So I know He's going to speak to you today, but we need to listen. Here it is, verses 17 and 21. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to Jesus, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher... What must I do to inherit eternal life? I love that. Jesus goes to people. People come to Jesus. And verse 21 tells us, <clears throat> Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Church, this is one of the most perplexing and heartbreaking passages in all of Scripture. This situation is, is so radical that in it later you read the disciples said, Jesus, if this rich guy can't be saved, who can be saved? Jesus is talking about the impossibility of, of rich people uh, coming into heaven because they're so tied down by their stuff. There's a, there's a whole portion here and a whole conversation. It's not by man where it's possible. It is only possible by God. But I want you to see today what the root of the issue here is in the conversation between this rich man and Jesus. It's the heart. It's always the heart. Regardless of how you come to Jesus or when He comes to you, it's always He's getting to the root of the matter. He goes after the heart and what's tying the heart down. And everyone has to decide what or who is going to sit on the throne of their heart. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be things? Is it going to be other people? Is it going to be money? Or is it going to be the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, what was the one thing he truly lacked? And I want you to know, just right here at the beginning, he lacked a relationship with God. This young man could keep all the rules. He knew them. He kept them from his youth. He expresses them to Jesus, but he lacked one thing. Ultimately, he did not have that relationship with God to respond to God, to follow God, to abandon the things he had built up. He has called Jesus good here. And if he would have said yes and followed Jesus, he would have found out Jesus is good because of what, church? Because he is God. If he had said yes to this 
good teacher and started to follow, he would have been able to see what Jesus actually does. He may have been there the time where Jesus walked on water or stopped a storm or raised people from the dead. Who is this guy? He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good moral teacher. He is God in the flesh. But this young man's heart is, is wrapped up in the cares of the world, and his heart is warped by money. And many people in our culture, their hearts are wrapped up in things, and their hearts are warped by money. The Apostle Paul says this. I don't have it on the screen. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of it, that you pursue it, that you're in love with it, you have all these things, it's the root of all kinds of evil. You can look in people's lives and how messed up they are and, and disrupted they are and see at the end of the day what their pursuit is. What are they really pursuing? Are they pursuing Jesus or are they pursuing stuff? And when you see all the chaos and the problems of people's lives, you can see there it is. There's all kinds of evil that come with pursuing these things. Money will buy anything except the most valuable thing, eternal life. You can have all the stuff in the world and you can still lose your soul. It cannot buy your way in to the kingdom of God. And here's the thing, in all of this, the rich young man came to Jesus asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus told him, go back, get rid of your possessions. But ultimately, he was possessed, obviously, by his possessions. He's weeping. He goes away sorrowfully. And Jesus actually said that, listen to this, I've shared this a lot. We usually share this when we're dealing with messages on stewardship. But Jesus says, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you're investing your time and money in, all your affections are directed there. Over the years, we've watched all kinds of parents, they get their kids in these tournament teams, and I'm all for having kids involved in activities and sports. But when they get out of line with God... They begin to invest. There's all kinds of money spent on all these trips and all this stuff and all these things. And what happens? Your heart is invested in these things. And Jesus says, when your treasure is, your heart is going to be there when your treasure is there. Those are your affections. All your passions are in that way. Instead of listening to the commands of Jesus, it says that this young man here, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? <laughs> He should have said that he was happy because God offered him, Jesus offered him eternal life. This is all you have to do, but he went away because he had a lot of possessions. I think a lot of people come to Jesus asking for what they can do on their end for like a ticket in. As long as I jump this one hurdle, I'm in, I'm good. Instead of asking, Jesus, what do you really want me to do? God, what are you calling me to do? And when, when you ask the appropriate question, the proper answer comes, and Jesus will tell you what you need to do. Here it is. This kid wanted eternal life. Get rid of your stuff. Follow me, and you will have eternal life. Instead, I have all these things. These are more important to me. What Jesus is doing is he brings this young man to a crossroads, which he does all of us. Every one of you have come to a place where you're at a crossroads, where you have to make a decision. Are you going to follow Jesus? I mean, the first decision you make is, am I going to believe? Am I going to have salvation? Am I going to pursue this Lord? And, and many have gone the other way at the crossroads. 
Many are still standing at the crossroads calling themselves Christians, but they've never really begun to follow Jesus. So Jesus gives us these serious choices we have to make. Am I going to continue to live exactly the way I've lived, or am I going to live dangerously and follow the one true God? You either give up what's holding you back and follow Jesus, or you go back to the way you've been living. And here it is, church. We have to remove what's standing in between us and God. Whatever it may be, whatever God is speaking to you about right now, it could be anything. I have a list of simple things. These are reoccurring things I've preached about for years. A career that you love that could be keeping you from following Jesus and the call upon your life. There's jobs I have loved that that God has brought me out of. I loved working at the post office. Now, it was a love-hate relationship at times. But, you know, God used the post office to provide for me for years. And then he brought me to a point where I had to make a decision. Am am I going to continue in this career or am I going to follow Jesus and step out? And sometimes God is calling you away from a career, a relationship. I could write a book on how many people's relationship with God was destroyed by an improper relationship. Men and women, both. Down over the years, just watching them, uh, young people getting involved in dating relationships, later in life, second marriages, all these kinds of things. A relationship can keep you from following Jesus. For some, purely money. It's the things that matter most. And you know what happens is Satan can work in your heart. If you grew up and didn't have a lot, this is what I see. If people didn't have a lot growing up, there's sometimes an overcorrection. And we end up getting too much stuff. Well, my dad would never stop on any road trip, ever. It's like, Dad, we're starving. You know, we got to go to the bathroom. You better hold it. <laughs> uh, you know, and now we'll, we'll be like an hour and a half into a trip, and we're like, all right, snacks. You know, we're stopping to pick up some snacks. You know, and I was thinking, you know, we end up grabbing a lot of stuff. And sometimes I think, you know, I'm making up for what my dad didn't do or didn't give us. And my dad gave us a lot. He provided for us. But there's these little things that will work into your heart that you didn't have and you feel like you have to have now. For some, it's a past hurt. If you've been hurt in your past relationship, whatever it may be, you don't want to be hurt again. And God may be calling you to forgive somebody. And that keeps you from really seriously following Jesus. Others, it's comfort. Again, you love your pattern of life. This is what you do. You get up and you do this. You come home. These are your patterns. Uh, You don't want anything to disturb your comfort zone. It keeps you from following Jesus. Family. Um, I heard a wonderful message years ago by Francis Chan, and he came and spoke to focus on the family. Their entire ministry was telling people to focus on your family, which was a good thing to do to take care of your family. Francis Chan came and said, If you focus on your family, you will lose your family. The point he said that, the reason he said that, is when we get to a place where we're trying to save our life, we're trying to save and and solve every problem for our kid, we end up losing them at times. We try to do everything for them instead of allowing them to figure some things out, and you can lose your kid trying to protect your, you can lose your family trying to protect your family. And for many, it's fear of the unknown. I'm afraid to do something new. I thought about that. You know, jumping into a new career, you got to learn everything new, and there's some young guy telling you how to do the thing. That's dangerous. That's wild. 
I like what Corey Timboon said. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that God is there. You know, and I can trust in God. The second thing I want you to see, church, we have to leave. We have to listen to Jesus and leave the stuff and say yes to him and follow him. Verse 21 again, and Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go and sell. He didn't tell him to give it up. He didn't tell him just to give it away. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. This is radical. There's two Christian movies I've uh, told people, many people lately to check out. One of them is the Free Burma Rangers. Raise your hand if you've seen that. Maybe come through your feed. Great. One person. <laughs> yes. Uh, Merritt owns it, by the way, if you want to watch it. So um, I've seen it come through on my feet. That means pastor watched Christian movies and no one else watches the Christian movies. Y'all told on yourself. You're in trouble. Um, Free Burma Rangers is a documentary about somebody going to uh, war-torn areas and rescuing and helping people. Christians doing this. The other movie I like to recommend, documentaries, is um, Mully. The story of Mully was a man who grew up as a child in Kenya, was in poverty, came home one day, and his entire family was gone. Lives in poverty for years, eating trash. He goes to a place one day, goes to, a, it's like a, a plantation or whatever it may be. He goes to the door, knocks on the door, and says, I will do anything. I will just, if you just let me eat the leftovers, the scraps. They hire him. He starts to work his way up. Before long, he becomes a millionaire with multiple businesses, making tons of money. He just had a heart for God and willing to do anything. Millionaire. God calls him one day. He's driving through the town. He starts to see orphans all over. God calls him to rescue orphans. But God didn't tell him, you know, just, hey, we will use all your millions to help you provide. He told him to leave his career. And I'm watching that, and I'm like, wait a minute. This dude's got millions. God, why would you tell him to give up his companies? Because he's got to provide for all these kids. But this was part of the package, that he had to trust in God. And they start, he starts bringing all these kids home. They don't have enough room. Their other kids are a little jealous that they already have. Before long, this orphanage is exploding, and God is providing without his personal wealth. It's just amazing. I, I recommend it. Go and just, what, is, what can God do in my life if I just say yes and follow him? Church, I've never regretted turning away from my own path to the path of Jesus. It's been adventurous. I look back and I'm like, wow, the way God has brought us through things, things that you've been struggling through, and you're like, how are we going to make it through? And here it is a few years later, like, oh, God brought us through. He is calling us to be risky, to be adventurous, to say yes to Him, and He always provides. We're afraid that God is not going to give us the money we need. If I leave this career, I'm going to lose everything, and God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. And what has happened is we, against, we, again, we have this false sense of security from all our stuff, and God is saying, abandon those things. You don't have to have all of the stuff. That He will supply what you need when you say yes to following Him. You know what's amazing? People do some of the most stupid, unsafe things. Again, they risk their lives. They put their lives in danger to accomplish nothing. Just fame and, and fortune. People climb mountains just to say, I, I've done it. 
jumping, doing all kinds of radical things. Uh, Jessica and I watch Shark Week a lot. We love Shark Week. Remember last week I said don't go swimming in shark-infested waters, and we were swimming in South Carolina, and sharks were in the water, and one came up. It's like, wow. Uh, we love Shark Week. When there was a show, these guys were doing these radical, stupid things, and one of them has a plan. We're going to take, and somebody's going to ski, be pulled by a boat, ski, jump a ramp over sharks. They've thrown chum in the water. Worst thing in the world, right? Sharks are all in the water. Dude, bust the jump. Falls on the sharks. Arch, you know, and bites his hand. He's all messed up. And I was like, they do this for money and attention. What if God is calling you to get out and share the gospel with people? People are willing to die doing stupid things. Wouldn't it be better if we gave up our life to do things that matter for all eternity? To give up our lives? Jesus says we're actually to take up his cross daily and follow him, whatever that may be. The suffering that I have faced following Jesus is far greater than the nothingness I was doing. The suffering that we have, we've gone through more suffering doing ministry than all of my time before. But God has sustained us. He's our comforter. He's been there. God has to show up when things get risky. The reason our culture in church doesn't have this powerful relationship with God because you've not put yourself in a situation where you have to depend on Him. If you're calling on God in some situation where there's no way out, He has to show up. God calls Moses to go and preach to Pharaoh, let my people go. He finally lets them go. And they take him a path down to the water. And Pharaoh changes his mind and he's going to come and take back the slaves or kill the people. They're between a rock and a hard place. What do they do? They call on God. Moses says, be still and see your salvation. Puts the staff in the water, boom, parts the water. These are real things that happen in history. Do you know why we don't see a lot of these miracles today? Because we've not done the risky, dangerous thing that God has to show up for. That I'm not, yeah, I'm going to say yes to God even if it hurts, even if it wrecks my lifestyle, and God is going to show up and you see Him in all His glory. Church, He has to show up when things are going bad. We don't call on them because we've not put ourselves in a situation to call on the Lord God. Jesus was very clear that following him would be dangerous. He never said it was going to be skipping through fields of roses and blowing bubbles. I love, Emma loves it when we blow bubbles outside. She's chasing bubbles. That's not what Jesus is calling us to go and do. We think that, oh, Jesus is going to make everything perfect all the time. He's promised us eternal life and His presence, but there's going to be some persecution and some problems in this world, and we have to learn to live dangerously and follow Him. Following Jesus will cost you something. It will cost you friends. It will, cost, it will cause turmoil in your family. You're trying to follow Jesus, and maybe your partner doesn't necessarily believe or commit it all the way. There's going to be some friction in the home. There's going to be people that in your family that tell you not to go all the way and follow Jesus. Well, you don't have to give up your career. Maybe God is calling me to give up my career and go to another country. Maybe he's telling me to switch careers. Your family, if your family are not following Jesus, they're going to always tell you to do the opposite of what Jesus is calling you to do. You don't have to do that. We need to say yes to Jesus. It can cost you your job. Maybe God starts telling you to start praying with your coworkers. Start leading people to Jesus. I did this all the time in the post office. 
I was, I was skillful at it. I was strategic at it, too. Supervisors coming. All right, we'll change the subject. But I was telling people about Jesus. Even when I was delivering mail, I'm delivering mail. I'd just look over, oh, they got a cross. Oh, you believe in Jesus? Well, you know, I kind of do. You're wearing a cross. Well, you know, man. It's like, we're going to talk about Jesus. But you should position your life to be in a place to tell people about Jesus. That is what we've been called to do from the beginning, to go and make disciples. You know, we might not have a lot of money doing this thing. God promises to provide all your needs. He promises to be with you. And this is what I love. The older you get and you're depending on God through all your things, you start to realize, he says in the word, I have gone before you. That means even before you've taken that step and said yes, he's already there waiting on you, preparing a way. And, and the Bible's teaching us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not into your own understanding. We're always leaning back on our own understanding. And Jesus is saying, no, follow me. Get into this thing. Take risks. Get dangerous following him. I believe many churches have not met their true potential. Um, many have faded into obscurity because of fe fear alone. It's always fear of change, that there's going to be a disruption. What if you came in here and we preached first, then sang, then took up offering? <laughs> some people are like, what are we doing? I've talked to Jay, what, can we flip some things around, you know, change things up? You know, to kind of get people out of their comfort zone. For years, people would pay toward a building program and, and pews, and they would get their name put on that and donate, and that became their pew. And there, it was their family pew, the, the seats, and then their family began to die off. And they claimed that chair, and they would sit there, and no one else could sit in the chair. There's these weird things that have happened because we're afraid of what may change. Pastors come, and they have a vision the way God is leading them to go. By the way, if your pastor is godly seeking God, God gives them godly wisdom. And it's to lead into green pastures. I'm leading shepherds. A church will resist and stay where it's not green anymore. Many good pastors that churches have run off and got rid of them because they just challenged them to do something new. People fight over the silliest stuff in church. I guarantee you when you guys were going to switch out those doors back there when they were wooden and became glass, I bet you there was a big debate about it. It was probably a fight. Right? Anytime you change anything, no, we shouldn't do that. It's going to be new. There's vision behind things that you do that is to accomplish the mission of God. There was a church years ago, they'd reached 200 people. And the pastor went to another church. New pastor came, has his vision to grow the church. He's moving, and God is moving. A phenomenal preacher. People are backing him. And they do this new building program. Every time there's a new program, new kind of a thing you're going to do, people leave the church. New people are coming. New people want to do the new stuff. It's the established people that don't want to do the new stuff. They want to keep things the same. Church is growing. They get over 400. They've packed out the new building. And the pastor meets with the board and says, I think we're going to have to relocate. We have to build again. We've run out of space. And this is what the board said. Well, we've just got in this building. We started paying on it. I just, we don't think that's a good idea. And the pastor says, okay. And closes his folder in the board meeting and says, we'll call it a night. 
And before long, he has left and gone to another church that wanted him that grew from 800 to over 1,000 while he was there. And over time, this church has done good. They end up bringing that pastor back. He brings the vision that's over 10 years old back. They relocate. And in the last two years, they've doubled in size. It took a long time, but they, the pastor had to leave and then come back before they realized, whoa, there's vision. There's things that we can do and get outside of the norm and actually do what the church is called to do and win people to Jesus. Not just the same old, same old. So how can we be extreme for Jesus? I have a list of things here. I'm not asking you to jump out of planes, parachute or no parachute. I'm not asking you to do radical X game type things. But here it is. The extreme sports of Christianity is telling people about Jesus. You really need to get, like, deal with yourself between God and say, when is the last time I've shared the gospel with someone or invited them to church? And cr- start praying about that, why I'm not doing it, and start challenging yourself to get outside of your normal comfort zone and bubble and invite people to church. Tell someone your testimony. Meet new people. Two, truly living in a relationship with God and where people know it. It's radical, isn't it? It's an extreme of Christianity to actually be a Christian. Three, disciple or mentor someone. Give up your time for someone else. That you radically alter your schedule where you block out some time and I'm going to spend time with this other person and help them understand Jesus. And we have people in our church actually doing that. Praise God. Four, giving sacrificially to the mission. When you get a raise, you don't raise your standard of living. This is what's wrong in our culture. It's materialistic. I make more money, I buy more stuff. I make more I spend more time at work, I get more things. What happens if you make more money, you keep things about the same, and the more money that comes, you start donating it to the kingdom of God. We had a missionary come, and I'm, an, I'm enamored by these things. I'm listening Missionary services used to be like the Spirit of God was there. People were crying, and they were worship services. They've become kind of dry because we're not mission-minded anymore. You say we're going to have a mission service, you're lucky if you get 40 people show up, even if you serve a meal. But we need to hear how God is moving. And when you hear of somebody in another country preaching the gospel, I shared that story, they started a church with two little children. I want to give money to stuff like that. I want to give money to where God is moving. I want to invest. We invest in this church because we believe in this mission and we want to see it explode with life. We raise our standard of giving to the kingdom. Five, sacrificially giving up your time for Christ. Uh, Recreation is a high in Wyoming. I know that. What if you started trimming away your schedule and all the wreck and all the vacations and said, I'm going to start giving more time to Jesus? You know what this church does in many churches is that we will schedule godly ministries around the federal calendar. It's going to be a federal calendar weekend. It's going to be Memorial Day. We can't do ministry on Memorial Day weekend. Fourth of July, can't do church stuff. Another holiday, Columbus Day, all these holidays, we end up stopping church stuff to honor the federal calendar. Well, there's a, did you know originally it was designed was to have the one day off? 
The Monday, the one day, the Veterans Day, whenever that rotates, the 4th of July, the one day is the celebration. We've turned the one holiday into four-day weekends. Now, if you're retired, high-five, go and do that. Get your five-day, 96-hour weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But what if you trim that back and said, you know what? God's mission and the ministry is more important than the federal calendar. Well, there's a, you can have a day off without the federal government telling you can have a day off. Did you know that? It's Memorial Day. Oh, I finally get it. No, you have book leave. Take some time off. But give to the ministry and dig in and be there. Some of you guys got your feelings hurt in you. I, that is not in here. I'm not, I, I don't want to say things that are not in my notes. When I say things that are not in my notes, it gets to 1125 and time gets away. But really, take that to heart. Is it God's calendar in His schedule or the federal government or county or state? Closing, I'm going to ask Jay to come. Today we've learned, for the most part, about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. Good sir, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, the... Decalogue of the Ten Commandments. Have you kept these? Have you kept the second that is honoring other people? Yes, I've kept all these from my youth. Well, this one thing you are lacking, you don't have a relationship with me, and you're not willing to obey God in the flesh to come and follow me. He walks away, he leaves, walks away sorrowfully. I think that happens to a lot of us. On Sunday morning and, and throughout the week, God is calling us to crossroads, to, to decisions to make, and oftentimes we look back at what we have, and then we look at what Jesus is calling us to, and we walk away even though our heart sings. Church tradition tells us that this rich young ruler was actually Barnabas that's found in the book of Acts. It's just been passed down in church history. Um, there's a lot of similarities. It doesn't mean it's actually him. It could have been him. In the book of Acts, the first person that gives up possessions and sells their land to give to the ministry, to give to the apostles, is Barnabas. So he starts, if this is the rich young ruler, he's starting to get rid of his stuff. And he's giving the money, laying it down at the feet of the apostles. And God is moving in the New Testament church. Other people start giving as well. And over time, God speaks and says, Set apart from me Paul and Barnabas. Because of something different about them, they're giving up their lives to follow. They've been involved in the church. And the Holy Spirit confirms it through the church. They anoint them and pray over them and send them out to be missionaries. So it is possible that this rich young ruler who was consumed by his possessions finally gave them up to follow Jesus into the unknown, to live dangerously. So church, as we close today, maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you to give up something. So we're going to open the altars. We're going to come and pray. We can stand and sing together as we've been doing. And here it is. Um, without new challenges, battles, and trials, there are no adventures. There's no victories. There's no stories to tell. There's no testimonies. If you've not given up anything to follow Jesus, let's come and follow him today. Let's stand and sing. Let's come and pray.